that's, where, that's my here, spot. Here's where you gotta go. Right. This is what you have to get. Exactly. Then. And like it's it's, it's they're like they're they're not gonna be disappointed. Right. Like I guarantee you're gonna enjoy that crab cake. Yeah, I got I got a couple cafes that are my spots that <laughs> I feel really good about referring people to. Yeah. Like One, I, I feel very confident in saying you're gonna love the crab cakes there. They're not gonna go there and be like it's crab cakes. Yeah. Um I uh my my coffee spot for a while was just I, it was I, only the, I, it was just the closest spot to my house. It wasn't I like was gonna bring not that special up at all. The podcast. It was just the closest spot. You have a coffee problem. <laughs> oh my Did you listen to the last one? <laughs> it's not a problem. You said you drank like five cups of coffee. <laughs> but it was five cups by like eleven o'clock in yes. the morning. Yes. I <laughs> that was such a funny cop, coffee debate. I told Dave that, I told Dave in the last episode, I don't know when, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's next year, but at some point, we will have an intervention. It's necessary. This actually isn't us interviewing you, this is actually the intervention. (laughs) (laughs) It's all a setup. I did find a new coffee shop. (laughs) I'm not sure if you guys have been over near Rundle Mills Mall, there's a spot off Coca-Cola Drive called Baltimore Coffee and Tea. It's a nice, Really? seems like it's going to be... It's it's kind of nice inside. It's brand new, but the outside patio I think is going to be a selling point when it's nice outside. Yeah, but would you say today, would you say Maryland cult, Maryland uh, dining culture is an outdoor culture? Would you say that? Uh, I'm just saying if a place has a patio for mm-hmm. outdoor seating, it's this it skyrockets. Have you been my, to the coffee spot next to my bar? So anyway, that's ceremony, right? Yeah, that's ceremony. one of my that's one of my spots. Yeah, ceremony is legit. Uh, ceremonies, it's, so basically there's nothing, uh, that I've discovered so far that's better. I, I, you can as say it's the like best. the taste of the coffee. You can say it's the best, but that's, you know, like the taste that's of the disputable, coffee? but yeah, I mean, just the quality and, hmm. um, so my litmus test to see how good a cafe is, is, um, how good their lattes are. Okay. Because you get a lot there. You get quality of the coffee like immediately when you taste it you also get a good sense of how skilled the barista is and how knowledgeable they are you know because you talk to them when you walk like no is it a conversation or you just want to taste the results yeah i just want to observe yeah Yeah. but ceremony is one of those places artifact coffee you've been there too yeah Yeah, but when i when i went to ceremony i had reese with me and i thought we were gonna like mm-hmm. spend some time there, and I quickly realized it's not really like the atmosphere where you want like a three year old running around, yeah, and no. hanging out. So no, definitely not. We turned tail and ran out. It's like ninety percent students there. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got a laptop open. They're all from Hopkins. Ninety percent of them are Asian too. Yes. Like, and they come and get bubble teas from our bar, or they go and get the coffee from. Ceremony. That's yeah. <laughs> th- there's like, I think all of Baltimore's Asians. Go to that. <laughs> yeah. Go to that uh, cafe. Well, Hopkins. Anyway. Hopkins is walking distance from there. Yeah, sure. So they, they, yeah, they are. They just and it's good there. coffee. That's yeah. why. So anyway, I mean, I was gonna say that today was like gonna be the perfect day where we could, um, like live out the name of the podcast. So yeah. people that don't know, the premise of the podcast came about, uh, just out of sheer randomness. Yeah. Uh, so. A lot of people think that the name of the podcast is Mocha Latte because you're white and I'm black. 
That's, <laughs> that's just a and that's added bonus. Bonus. first of all, They're let racist. me just uh, <laughs> first of all, let me tell you why that's such a debunked theory. One, I will never, ever, ever, ever call myself Mocha in any sense because you would be the Mocha. <laughs> No, if somebody the, else calls you. There's no. If somebody else calls you Mocha, <laughs> I, I would rat, maybe caramel. <laughs> anyway, like so, like I mean, first of all, I will never address myself as Mocha. Mocha under I can't any mocha. analogy, I metaphor, that, whatever. Like it's not cute. Would you be like, man, you're just being not cute. Mocha today? <laughs> you look so Mocha. Anyway, it's called Mocha Latte because. Yeah. I thought it would just be fun and random to make our guest a mocha latte. You know, just, That'd be great. just <laughs> stupid and randomly. So and then the conversations happen around lattes. When I, when, I right? yeah. when I told a girl I was going to be on a podcast and I just said, what's the name? I was like, mocha, mocha, mocha latte. You didn't, you didn't say that with comp- confidence? Mm-mm. It wasn't... I'm gonna be on a podcast. What's it called? Mocha, mocha latte. No, he just like that. Uh, no. back. Maybe we uh, should find a, new, a more masculine name. Well, no, it's not that big of a deal. I just, you know, it was. Just... It's only the name of your podcast. You it's think... only the <coughs> only the first impression that people have when they think about it. It's not hey, you're gonna make me self conscious now. I don't know. I I just anyway. Let me get back to what. There's nothing wrong with the title. I get it. I just didn't think that she would get it in that in that realm of conversation. Well, how did she respond to that? No, I mean, yeah, she took it well. Like, she was like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, so she didn't. I was just like, should I tell her that it's called Mocha Latte? No, you were saying. That was me. You, you were really saying, should I tell her that it's, it's my, my brother's, brother's podcast? podcast. It's yes. my brother's podcast. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't actually that title. Hesitation. It wasn't the actual title. It was the fact that it wasn't. It was she get, thought that she I was, was asking, just invited to some She was some getting podcast. more questions. Yeah. Yeah. And you would have had to possibly... <laughs> she was like, send me the podcast when it's done. Like, we're bad. obviously going to be my... I'm going to send it to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my brother's podcast. So anyway... I, did, I just didn't. I got, I got, a, I got a, a, an espresso machine a month ago. And I've, I've made over 100 lattes. I've, I love lattes. I've been practicing. And you you're do? saying I, love I have the problem? No. Yeah, you made over 100 lattes. No, seriously. I've, I've, I've consumed like three of them. I Seems. saw that you say you, you're doing better. Did now. you see the pic? I'm gonna post the uh, picture for it's my latte great. today. I think we can. I'm gonna change post it to the website. The cover art for this podcast with, with, with someone of mine. You, you I made. thought that too. Can you have Friday shoot? Yeah, some That'd of your creations. Cool. I should do that. Yeah. Um, the one today I'll post on on the website. Yeah, yeah. If you, it looked great. DanteShepherd.com. You have a little uh, Rosetta. Dante that Rosetta was on DanteShepherd.com. You can get it on DanteShepherd.com, iTunes, or Google Play. I listen Play. to it on the podcast on iTunes. Mm-hmm. It's so if easy. You have, if you have like a, a Android, it's on Google Play. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, I, tonight, you're at my house. I was like, I'll, I'll finally get to make the guest a latte. And my daughter is crying yeah. awake, um, sick. Yeah. So I don't want to make more noise downstairs. Can't steam the Exacerbate. Yeah, that that steam one gets loud, you know. <laughs> I honestly thought that that was a thing. I was like, do they drink lattes while they do the podcast? We will. We have. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, okay. All of the above. <laughs> All right, okay. All right. I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we just couldn't not tonight. <laughs> I found uh, last week. I found. <laughs> what? I found an espresso machine at a 
At a thrift store? Yeah. <laughs> so that we can have a mobile Why one. <laughs> Why did he have espresso machines? <laughs> at a thrift store. People Why? sell all sorts. People go to all sorts of stuff. But anyway, I thought I bought like this cheap one so that we can take it with us when we're um, not set. at my house. And you which can make is for, for guests like yeah. when you visit. Mm-hmm. Right. Guests. And so then. so we, we have to clean that one and yeah, try it next week. Because when you opened it up, there was there was water. There was still water, water in it. So. I don't even want to know yeah. what kind of pathogens yeah. is in that water. And you said you poured vinegar through, right? That like that's the. I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. I think equal part vinegar to water. You flush it out. That's cool. Anyway, my brother is here. Yeah, uh, introduce the the guest today. This is this is my brother, uh, <clears throat> Deshaun. Wait, we were recording that whole entire time. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I tell you, yeah, I like it. That's how we do all of these. It's yeah. just so I I don't have a latte. <laughs> what? I don't I don't have a latte. I know. All right. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I could I could bring the machine down here. No, it's That's okay. just a lot it's, of work. It's not that yeah. deep. It's not that deep. And I don't want the water tank. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But our guest for today is me. My brother. Uh, I've never called him. I've never. I've never called him his actual name before. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, let me hear this. I've, I've only I've only called him by I've only use I only use his government name when I'm introducing him. Sometimes I'm not sure of that. Sometimes not even that. I but like if brother. I refer to him or someone asks, "What's your brother's name?" Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's the only time I'll use it. So my brother's name is Chuki. <laughs> right, it's been Chuki. And I don't even know the origin of that. Like you always talk about your brother Chuki, but yeah. I don't. So where did that even so come his real, from? So his real name is Deshaun, but let, you go and say... Uh, yeah, so apparently, I mean, as the story's told... This is folklore. My, uh, my mom was just baby-talking to me when I was a baby and just kept saying, Chuki, 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 to the point where she just kept saying Chuki, like, for the rest of her life. I don't know why. It just stuck. Um, I've never heard her say Deshaun before. I've never heard Dante say Deshaun before. And... People ask me like, "How do?" You, whenever I introduce myself to people, mm-hmm. it's I'm not even like conscious about it. I say my name is Deshaun because that's my name. I don't say, "Hey, I'm Chuki." Right. Um, but I think that it's always just followed me my whole entire life because of Dante. Yeah. Because me and Dante always went to the same schools, and then my friends would hear him call me Chuki, so it just always stuck. Yeah, because like it wasn't until like middle school that like yeah. your your friends started calling you Chuki. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then and then we ended up at the same high school, and people would just hear him say Chuki. So do people other than Dante right now still call everybody you Chuki? calls me Chuki? Oh, nice. I I'm. Uh, I'm a, a manager at a car title administration for GM Financial, and I, like I get Chuki written on like my FedEx packages oh, no that way. come to me. Okay, nice. like it's it's that deep. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 I, it's it's actually at the point now where it's weird when I get called Deshaun. I'm like, yeah. you called me Deshaun? Well, Why? My mom my mom called it. My mom called it when my mother was growing would always up. say she when you're like, a grown man, people are still gonna call you Chuki. And now I'm 28 years old, and, wow. and everyone still calls me Chuki. She she said that all the time. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I've I've never had a, a nickname. You, Dante. Oh, oh Dante had a nickname. Had a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why his didn't stick the way mine did. It wasn't Mocha. It stuck. Not <laughs> <laughs> since high school. It's, my mother still calls him by his nickname sometimes, I think. It's really, it's really just, it oh, doesn't no. make sense. Should we even put it out there? You don't it's have not, to. Yeah, my family still calls me that. Yeah. Uh, and it's just D-O. It's do. It's do. Huh. 
Sometimes she'll call him Dotu. I don't, I can't explain it. Hmm. She'll be like, Dotu. But most of the time it was do. And okay. she still says do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, my, 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 my aunt, cousins, yeah. my, you know, our dad yeah. still calls me do. Hmm. My mom calls me do. And there's different variations of Chuki too, now that you talked about our fan. Like my aunt, like she'll call me Chukolino. Yeah. I get called Chuk Master, Chuk Dog. <laughs> That's cool. Chukster. A lot of chukis, mm-hmm. but the main thing is chuki. I don't even know where the spelling came from. But there's actually a spelling to it. It's weird. Huh. We gotta get to know you. What's the uh, what's the last thing? What's the last thing you've cooked? I know right, you're so a terrible like. <laughs> you're a terrible cook. Like the, so or, I mean, okay, you mean you've been living on your own for the last few years, so like you. <laughs> so whenever you have had, like guests, are you gonna ask this or are you just asking me to troll me because you know that I'm your brother and I can't cook? No, so no, no, no. I intend to ask what, people this. Yeah, I just what, haven't yet. What is We've only had one guest. Cooked. Yeah. All right. So, all right. I feel like I'm being trolled because... <laughs> what my, was it, like three weeks right, so ago? No, well, <laughs> so my entire family, there's two things that my entire family can do that I can't for some reason. <laughs> and it's cook and dance. And I wish that I could do both, but I can't. Oh, man. Yeah, my brother, everybody can like cook and dance and I, I can't. <laughs> I can't do either or. And I feel like Dante's like like trolling me right now. And I, I didn't hear you ask your last guest, could they cook? I didn't no. I didn't get it in. We we ask every guest this, just so you know. Every, <laughs> because the, every every going guest forward, from here on out. Going right? forward. Yeah. Um so I so Dante's like a chef and um when I cook I make like white rice. <laughs> I make a I make a mean right rice like I know the proportion of water that you're supposed to put in the rice. No, you gotta say the last thing you cooked. What was All it? Right. So the last thing I cooked, it was a very long time ago, <laughs> but it was it was chicken alfredo and it was great. It was like yeah, it was great, but it wasn't. It was like your basic chicken alfredo, though. But it was, was good. Was it alfredo from the jar? Yes, it was. Um, what's the prego? Dave's laughing. I'm supposed to make my own alfredo sauce? No. So I had like the prego. <laughs> I had the prego alfredo, and then I had like. What was the choice of pasta? Barrio. Um, what's Fettuccine? the other? What's the most common rigatoni? Well, that's the type of noodles, but what's Routine? the most common the brand? brand? You know, the, you know when you go to the supermarket. It that's like, my favorite. Yeah. See, y'all talking San, about something I don't know about. The blue it was the San, San Giorgio. Yep, that's exactly what it was. San Giorgio? San Giorgio. Yeah. Because I saw mommy get that all the time. So that's so. what she gets, yep. Yeah. 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 So I got that. I got the, the Prego Alfredo sauce. I did get like red pepper seasoning to make it a little spicy. Because I like it spicy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Not too much. Not too much. And, and uh, it was great. How'd you cook the chicken? Big old pot. Uh, so I know. So I baked. Boneless chicken breast, and then I cut it up and put it in a pot. What'd you season it with? So I used the red, the red peppers. <laughs> Just red, you put red pepper flakes on. So the actual it's chicken, no, I use so I so I season all of my food with the same seasoning. <laughs> what's, what's your What's your trinity? What's your so it's black pepper. Uh huh. <laughs> it's adobo. Call that pepper. It's adobo. Adobo. I put I put adobo on everything, like my eggs, everything, adobo. Um, so black pepper, I, even though adobo is like seasonal, it's like the Spanish version of seasonal, but I still, all right, so black pepper, adobo, a little bit of salt. I don't want to like raise my blood pressure. Uh, adobo high. is salt. Salty. Well, um, <laughs> garlic powder mm-hmm. and okay. onion powder. Very Italian. Because I don't like onion, like actual onions. No, I don't want actual onions in my food. I don't want to bite into it. it. Sounds like a good taste. Yeah. So that's it. I put that on everything. 
<laughs> Those are my five. Those are my five. That's my. Yeah. It's not a trinity, but you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Those are the. This is why are you asking me this? It's <laughs> interesting, nah, you yeah. know, because because we really get a, a behind the scenes look at your life at home. Yes, and that's the last thing not, I could. Not and I made it, no, and but I made it. Yes, like and I made a really really big pot, and it lasted me a very long time. I don't know when you're supposed to stop eating it. I don't know if the chicken went bad, but I'm fine. I'm still alive. But I was eating that for like at least a week and a half. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would like make a little tray. Cutoff point is somewhere in between when you ate it and when you stopped eating it. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. There is a trade off. Yes. So yeah, that's that's the last thing I cook, and that's probably the only thing that I cook when I cook, or any variation of like something with white rice, like something basic with white rice, like baked chicken or something like that. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not really, not really a cooker. Yeah. I wanted to talk about um, social media mm-hmm. and how it relates to, uh, to young people. Mm-hmm. And more specifically, how the older generations view it. Something I'm sick of. You're sick of how the older generation gripes about social media? Yes. I am sick. <clears throat> First of all, let me preface this by saying I get it. I understand why someone who is older mm-hmm. and sees, you know, millions and millions of young people interacting differently than how they might have grown up interacting. I see how you could how how one could turn their nose up at something that they just can't identify with or understand. But here's what I think we should stop doing. And I even think I even think people in our age group we do it with younger, we do it with younger people, people that's younger than us, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, and I think we should stop. Is, is, the, is the idea that <clears throat> young people these days don't know how to have a conversation. That is, that is such, I think, a false statement. Mm-hmm. Now, you may, you may you know, choose to specify that you, you think you know, young people might have a harder time having a face-to-face conversation. Um, and... Th- you know, that may be true or, or it could not be true. You know what I'm saying? But my, my, my thought is that we have to stop generalizing entire group of people based on how they interact with each other. Um, <clears throat> because one, I think it, it, shows, it shows ignorance on the part of the person that's condemning it. But also I think that people are exchanging information at a rate that is unprecedented in, in human history. Mm-hmm. Like there are very few, <laughs> there are very few things that have been revolutionized at the pace in which communication has been revolutionized in the last 20 years. Agreed. There is like nothing else that has been revolutionized at that rate than communication and access to information. The way people, are, um, the way people give and receive information is, is, is at a place now in history that it has never been before. And so... When you look at a group of people that are at the helm of this as young people and they're interacting in the ways that they do for the for older generations or even other generations that don't understand it, um, for them for them to say, you know, uh, a a person between a certain age doesn't have the same social skills as 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 the generation before is is something that's like it's it's insulting and and a bit ignorant because People that utilize social media and have an online presence, 
they may be, um, they, they have the opportunity to perhaps, and I'm not saying that this is definite, but they may have the opportunity to perhaps go deeper and more intimate with communication than someone that is sitting, than two people that are sitting across from each other. You know what I mean? And just because the medium in which it is, um, you know, dished out uh, may be different doesn't mean that it is less than. You know, we work, downtown I work with young people a lot in our job and I was sitting with a couple of, or walking with a couple of students a few months ago and I asked them this question. I said, all right, here are two scenarios. Which one would you rather experience? It's a Friday night you could either be with uh, one of your friends and be face-to-face together, hanging out all evening, and you have like just a mediocre time. Mm-hmm. It's not great, it's not terrible, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of normal-ish of hanging out. Or you could be at home alone and you have three really good text conversations mm-hmm. happening. Which one would you rather experience? For me... I would want the face-to-face mediocre mm-hmm. time 10, t- 10 times out of 10. <laughs> That's just, just me. But each student I asked, their response was, oh, I'd rather be by myself mm-hmm. having three good text conversations. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that gets at what you're saying a little bit in that I assume, from my standpoint, if you're not face-to-face and hanging out with them person-to-person, you're losing intimacy. But from their standpoint, the intimacy isn't in physical contact. Mm-hmm. It's in the content of what they're right. exchanging. Mm-hmm. And for me, I I have a hard time like really Rasping. getting it. Yeah. Really getting it. And I think that goes to, to Dante's point about how, I mean, it's, it's generation to generation. Like, you know, the... The older generation before us are looking at us like we're crazy and we're looking at, you know, the people, the younger people now like they're crazy. Um, like, we didn't have Twitter when we were in high school. And it's something that I always think about is how, what would have, what would it have been like if we were in high school, like tweeting about certain things that was going on in high school, like something major that happened, like, you know, some fight at the end of the day or something yeah. like that. I wonder... We're not we're not even exposed to that anymore because we don't I hope I hope that nobody's like following like high school kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. And what they're talking about on a regular basis. Um but they probably are talking about, you know, what's going on in school. They're they're tweeting while they're in class and stuff. And we didn't have that. We had MySpace and mm-hmm. we posted statuses or whatever when we got home and updated our top eight and stuff like that. But, but um, it was a slower exchange. And that's yeah, what you're saying, slower exchange. Day, right? Like, it's, there's just, it's sped up so much yeah. that the rate of information exchange But who are we to... It's unfathomable. Yeah. And, you know, someone that might prefer face-to-face encounter over text messaging, um, that's valid. And personally, I actually prefer the mediocre face-to-face as well. But... Um, who are we to say that that's... It's different. That's the gen- it's different. Right. It's different, but we can't impose our taste and our will on others to say that it's better and this is what you should do too. That's where it gets problematic. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's more impactful and powerful to be face-to-face with somebody. I get it. 
again, I agree with it. There's something about hum- physical touch, not in a, not in a, in, not in a weird way. There's something about being in the same space that changes things. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you can't impose that on someone else. And when, when the print industry really was revolutionized and became something that was accessible to the masses, like books and things like that, they said that about the young people then. They were saying the same things. All these kids just have their heads in the books these days. That's all they're worried about yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, th- I think it's one of the <clears throat> things that, like, you know, the older generation will kind of, in a way, find something to, um, you know, find something to gripe on. But, you know, and you know what? To be fair, that's their right. I'm just saying that it gets a bit problematic and unfair when you try to impose how you do something on someone else. One thing that I've noticed <clears throat> working with young people is with generationally, the pendulum swings. Mm-hmm. Every generation looks back at the other and... Uh, looks back at the generation before them and says, I will never be like that. Yeah. And so they, they act in a way that swings all the way to the other side. So if right. you want to understand where we are, you have to track the pendulum right. to where it came from, mm-hmm. right? So if a person has mediocre face-to-face times all the time, young people are like, that's not authentic. I need people to know what I'm thinking right now in real time and not like have this prepared response or just this surface level interaction. But this is going to be real life right now and you're going to get an unfiltered view of it. And so I think you can track the pendulum to where it came from, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, there's waves of it happen of social media, specifically talking about social media and how it's utilized where it can be, um, where it can be world changing in a good way. Like last week, a few days before Christmas, I don't know if you guys saw this. I, I tagged you on Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like this, um, th- this kid in high school had bought a, a Christmas gift for a friend of his. The friend of his was a special needs student who loves wrestling, loves professional wrestling. So, th- so the, you know, he, bu- he bought the kid, a you know, a toy wrestling belt and handed it to him in the hallway and he opens it and like, it's all captured on camera and it, it started circulating and getting re- thousands of retweets and like people from it's the powerful. WWE started retweeting oh, it and said, nice. Hey, next time we're in town, we'll have you guys in as our guests. Oh, you know what I mean? Awesome. Like that momentum can, can shift and, and, and affects the culture in such a way where, you know, you have the opportunity to really do something out of, out of love, you know, as opposed to using social media to, to tear people down, which millions of people do. But, um, you know, that I'd love to see that kind of thing catch on. Like, you know, and then a few days later, there was another video of kids in high school that bought shoes, for shoes for this yeah. kid that was saying he was talking to another student and said how he wears size 13, but his shoes are a 10. Oh, heck. And so they, they chipped in and bought him through, was it two or three pairs of shoes okay. and they, they gifted it to him. And, and the, like a bunch of kids are in this hallway as this kid opens uh-huh. it. And it's just like things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that's what. I think that's what, that's the epitome of, of how this could be a best case scenario. Even when, you know, me personally, when I was very much into writing and stuff like that, um, when I started working with like the Laker website and Free for 106 and the Park, that all happened through social media. Um, like I literally tweeted free and said, I would be an awesome writer for your website. Hmm. And then she messaged me on Twitter and said, call me. 
Like that's something that's that's how powerful social media is. I didn't meet her in person. I literally just tweeted her on Twitter and she responded. Man. So I mean it's it's very powerful and it could be used to to do very great things. Should we do defining moments? Go for it. This is a theme. This is another question we asked the <laughs> guests. We actually asked Sarah this. Yeah. What would you say is A or the defining? A. I think well, uh, yeah, because they don't want too much pressure on like picking okay, the right one. Okay, what would you say is a defining moment in your life? Can we say a major defining? Like, defining let's like moment? turn up the heat just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, right. Because yeah, there's there's plenty of defining moments. I mean, I would this would last forever if I talked about true defining moments in my life. Um, the most recent one I would say, um, Dante, you were there is when I gave the speech at Hooters about the company that I started, which is Enticement Entertainment. Um, so my best friend asked me to become his manager. He's a professional MMA fighter. And he asked me to become his manager, and we actually got in contact with Hooters, and they let us have an event there to announce that, you know, he had an upcoming fight. Nice. And to explain everything that was happening. And the reason for the reason why it was, like, a very defining moment for me is because so many people came that, like, meant so much to me. Like, my brother... Like, I'm, I'm literally... I'm standing in front of a crowd and I'm looking at my brother. My Dante's face is just like, Dante's so sensitive. And Dante like, Dante loves me like nobody loves anybody. <laughs> and I, while I'm talking on the microphone, I could see him like smiling from ear to ear, like looking at me. And then I had my little sister, my mom. Like there was just so many people there, like old friends from high school. And like, I was just so, I was like taken back that so many people came out and didn't exactly know what was going on. They were just there to like support whatever it was that was going on. And for me, it was a defining moment because it was speaking in front of a crowd, which is something that like I started to take a lot of pride in and something that I, I started to realize that I was really good at. And in that moment, I like perfected like how good I was at it. I was there was I wasn't nervous at all. Um, everything that I planned going into it, like, they're going to laugh at this. They're going to respond to this. They're going to clap to this. It all happened. And, you know, like, you, a lot of times where you, like, invite a whole bunch of people to something important, they all say they're coming. You don't know whether or not they're coming and everything. Like, everybody that said they were coming actually came that night. And um, I just remember, like, just looking at everybody's faces while I was talking. And it was just so, like, this is really happening. And, um... It's it's something that it's like my biggest passion right now. So I, I started my own company. I'm managing my best friend, and I want us to you know really succeed. And in that moment, like I'll, I'll never. It was like the introductory moment. It was the explanation of what's about to happen, and I'll always refer to it. Now when I whenever I meet new people, it might be weird, but I actually like send them the video when I meet new people and they ask me like what I do for a living. I'm like, uh-huh. watch this. Instead of me just explaining to you, you know, what it is that's going on with, with the company and everything, just watch this video because it's like, it explains everything. And um, so I just always have pride in it. And I, I, I expect much bigger things to come out of it. But I, I know that no, no matter how big it gets or no matter how many speeches I give in the future, I'm always just going to like remember that moment 
at Hooters, like talking to my family and friends, explaining what's about to happen. So, yeah, that's that's for me. I guess my most recent defining moment. I love that it's uh, uh, like an opening to a new season in life. Exactly. Too. Exactly. It's just something brand new. Nobody knew what was <clears throat> happening. Um, I didn't even. I didn't exactly know what I was gonna say, and it just all just. Every time I watch it, I'm like, wow! Like I I can't even believe. You know, people talk about that like zone of flow that you can get into when mm-hmm. when you're like in your sweet spot of where your passion and skills and experience and uh, concentration and opportunity all connect in the same moment. Right. And time kind of just disappears and you're just like like in this what they call flow. Right. That that state where you're just being naturally you and win, winning in life at the same time, you yes. know, where it's something new is being created yes. or um, where people, where you're moving the world around right. you right. because you're just in your sweet spot. Right. It sounds and like it was that was like, it for you. Yeah. And it's, it's everything that I did leading up to that moment, like in life, like I, I went to college for English um, the, the, the few times that I actually did speak in front of crowds, maybe the, one of the first times that I'll always remember is talking at Dante's wedding and like everybody there started crying while I was talking, you know what I mean? And like from that moment, when I, I remember like preparing myself to speak at Dante's wedding and I remember like pacing back and forth, just waiting for like the DJ to stop the music. And I was like really nervous and it leading up to that moment where with the whole enticement thing at Hooters, it like all of that, all of that was like preparation. So all of the writing that I've done, all of the speaking that I've done in front of crowds, you know, speaking at Dante's wedding and everything, that moment was like the epitome of like, all right, you know what you're doing now. You know how to get a reaction out of a crowd. You know how to make them laugh. You know how to make them cry. You know, so I I just I'll never forget being. I, I knew that I was about to speak and I there was not a nerve at mm-hmm. all. Like Let me ask you a question. Do you think that, that that was like was that your goal when you were entering in as like an English major? Like, as an English major, I hope this gets me to the point where I'm a no event promoter. No. So I originally started in journalism and what my goal was is to just like be on ESPN. Like, that's just, I, I, I just wanted to, like, debate with Stephen A. Smith on first take or something like that. Um, that's why I originally started majoring in journalism. But when I started writing and posting, like, articles on Twitter and stuff like that, I was getting a lot of attention and I was getting, like, a lot of retweets and stuff like that. But one thing that I started to notice that started to, like, hurt my dream is that it's, it was a dying industry. No one, I, I started to feel like people weren't actually reading what I was writing and I would play around with it. So I would make some ridiculous title, like Kobe Bryant is the greatest player to ever play basketball. And I would notice that people would actually respond just to the tweet. But if they actually clicked on the article and actually read it, they would see that I said Michael Jordan is the greatest. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, I would literally play around with that. And when people would respond... And say the things that they would say. I'm like, you're not actually reading the article. I'm sitting here like putting my heart into what I'm writing and you're not even reading it. Like that's the day and age that we live in. So once I accepted that that's 
where we're living in now, I I started to lose my passion for writing. Um, so I switched from journalism to just English because mm-hmm. English is just fun. I like I love reading books and I love I love coming up with you know what writers mean. I love finding metaphors and similes and stuff like that. It was just and I felt like if I majored in English and I could I could do whatever I want to do with an English degree, mm-hmm. nothing specific, whatever I figure out what I want to do in life, I'll be able to do it with a degree in English. So that's yeah. that's what ultimately came out of that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we put a lot of pressure on people to figure it out in the beginning. Yes. Like, you're getting into college, what do you want to do what for the rest of your life? What specifically do you want to so do? When it's like to like... Yeah. I had no idea. And, right. And it's yeah. this like kind of unfolding journey yeah. of... Yeah journalism to English to having this experience and success and failure and opportunity yeah. and then you find yourself at a moment and you're standing in front of a crowd and you're like this is but this yeah, is significant and I, and I, and you know this funny, is more significant I, I than, literally just you know, said that to a friend the other day um you know I jokingly said you know they asked me so what did you do with your English degree and you know I said you know everything I'm doing right now I probably could have been doing without a degree in English but Every all of my experiences with all those English courses and studying Shakespeare and writing those essays and speaking in front of my classmates mm-hmm. and that all prepared me for that moment yeah. where I was standing in front of Hooters, right. speaking very clearly, speaking very well, grammatically correct. I mm-hmm. that all all everything that I've ever done led up to that moment yeah. to be able to do those things. Um, even you know getting Scott sponsors. His name is Scott, the fighter that I, I manage. Scott who? Just so Scott knows. Noble. Scott Noble. Oh, okay. So he's a professional MMA fighter. How can they find his information? So his Instagram is the underscore Scott underscore Noble. So T-H-E-E underscore Scott with two T's uh-huh. underscore Noble. Okay. And then our Instagram page is Enticement E-N-T. Awesome. Put that on the website too. Cool. Yeah. So, but just, um, you know, one of the things that I have to do, I have to constantly email, you know, these different companies. Just getting in Hooter, getting in contact with Hooters. I'll never forget the the lady that I got in contact with. She was like, "You're the way that you contacted me was so different mm. than than how other people contact me." They're just like, "Hey, I have this fighter. <laughs> like my, I, I'm writing essays to these people because I have the knowledge and the experience. So it it did it did pan out, you know." Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not applying for jobs where it says, hey, you need a bachelor's in English, but it did give me the knowledge that I need to do what it is that I want to do right now. And I'm, I'm legitimately doing everything that I want to do. That's awesome. So are you a, are you a resolution person? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. I just spent, uh, (laughs) oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just, yesterday I just spent, uh, three hours sitting down reviewing 2007, 17. Uh, so 2007, oh, wait, I, I graduated from high school in 2007. Oh, <laughs> so, like, reviewing 2017 and dreaming about I 2018. Like I feel like yeah, you would. I That's lo- totally because sad. I love new beginning. Like, I love starting stuff. I love setting New Year's resolutions and then not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> what was your What, what were your you New Year's resolutions in, in 2017? Oh, for last year? That's a good question. I should... Look that up. I really don't know. Yeah, yeah like we we know. always ask, what's what's your upcoming New Year's yeah. resolution? What about what? Oh, yeah, what was, what was last year? I don't think that's we ever great, remember. Yeah, that's a. Good I don't question. know what mine was coming no. into twenty seventeen. I have to I go no find idea. my own old notebook and see how I did. We should make a a, a conscious effort of remembering what it is yeah. going into twenty eighteen. Yeah. I know what I know what mine was last year. 
my resolution was to either in some form or capacity or medium get published. Awesome. You know, like not necessarily novel, but like any form of publication was to get published somehow. And that's kind of twofold for me. I got a couple of articles published mm-hmm. on some student ministry stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the book isn't published, but I just, I just signed a book deal a couple of weeks ago. So me and Jared are writing a multicultural youth ministry book. We got the deal. We're, you know, we start writing like next year. It's the coolest thing ever. So it'll be published like summer of next of 2018. It's ridiculous. So that's something that's really cool. Like where, cause I've never been a resolution person, but the last year or two, I really started doing Did it. you feel like you had to do really purposeful things to meet those resolutions or did the opportunities just line up at the right time? I think half and half. Part of, part of it was me. <laughs> you hear my baby. Yeah. Part of, part of it was me <laughs> do, like doing things, but then also the other I half was like. I not find the answer to your question. <laughs> my watch thinks I'm talking to her. Watch. <laughs> she was so rude. Sassy. She was mean. I don't know. Some <laughs> <laughs> <a> manners. <laughs> but yeah, half of it was me doing stuff, and then the other half was like kind of praying and waiting on God. To did like, you did you think system. about the fact that it was your resolution? Like, was yeah. was there any moments like during the year where you were like, I said I yeah. wanted to do this this year? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. So. So that was cool, but I wanted to know what what do you do you have it panned out yet for no for I have your themes but I don't I don't have uh, <laughs> I don't have the specific goals like written goals in mind yeah mm-hmm. got a couple of days yeah or yeah a, a day and a half <laughs> yeah you got a day and a half mm-hmm. what about you you do resolutions I haven't really thought about it I I kind of do like in a very in a very fake way. It's, it's, there's nothing ever, like, set, it's nothing set in stone, like, I want to do this this year. Um, it's, like, general. Like, I just want to be happy in 2018. Like, I just want to just always be happy. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's not, I don't have, like, something that I specifically want to do. I just want to just keep living the life that I'm currently living. Would you say you're happy now and you want to keep being happy? I or am, you want to, like like see happiness that no you didn't i am i am the happiest that i've ever been in my life and i want that to continue hmm. that's cool yeah so i hope that 2018 continues to bring me the happiness that i found in 2017 dave what's that what's that podcast the storytelling one the moth the moth i thought that's what you should uh you should get on that that, that should be your in, in 20 in 2018 get on the moth to get on a podcast called the moth well there's uh <laughs> so there's a podcast called the moth and if you haven't checked it out yet you got to look it up and it's a storytelling podcast and what it its origins is it's really recordings from a storytelling open mic night and it originated in New York but now it's all over the world they have these open mic nights where you just beforehand they give a theme so they'll say fish out of water Mm -hmm. and so before you go you think oh what's my five minute story that's in that theme and when you get there you can put your name in the hat and then that night they draw 10 names or whatever and then people get up and they tell five minute stories with that theme and then Mm -hmm. they pick the best of those and then they put them on the podcast 
right? So I love listening to it because the stories are compelling. The storytellers are great. Some of them are like really significant moments. And some of them are just very normal everyday life things told in a way that just opens up feeling and relating behind it. So uh, I would love to go to a moth uh, open mic night and tell a story. Yeah, that's a good one. Just do it. Yeah. They're, so they're in like Philly and Pittsburgh and nice. New York. But as far as I know, I haven't checked recently. They're not here in, in yeah. Maryland. So it would take, I mean, those, those it would take a, a little bit of planning, right? Yeah. Not a ton. Right. A little, little bit of planning. And even then, it's not guaranteed that you'll, that you'll get, get on, get right? On. You at least get to go in here. You'll see you it. Yeah, yeah. You'll experience Unless it. Unless you slip someone a... Yeah. A little, a little uh, Lincoln. A Benny. A little Lincoln. Oh. Not like okay. Someone right. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson. Whoa. Yeah, buddy would be a little. Twenty dollars says I get on that stage. <laughs> <laughs> How about a little George Washington? <laughs> <laughs> How about two Lincolns, huh? <laughs> hey, what? Tell tell us about your um your trip to uh to Nola. Oh my gosh, man! I wish I was still there right now. I want to go to New Orleans just when, to eat. When did you go? Like two weeks ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, me and my best friend, uh, we went for for a week. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Like, where did you guys stay? Like a question? Where did you stay? So we stayed at an Airbnb, and it was my first time doing that. And um, Did you book it or Quran? Quran. So Quran does Airbnbs all of the time. It's the way to go. Man. Yeah. Especially he, if you go out at off time. He kept telling me it's the way to go. You know, of course, you know, sometimes you might run into a bad experience, but there's enough reviews and stuff like that where you know where you're, you know, you're staying at a good spot. And yeah, the place that we were staying at was a really nice house. Um, the people that were already there, you know, they were... So you guys did a room kind of thing. Yeah. So me and him had a, like a bunk bed <laughs> in, in a room. It was a really nice house. There was... Um, there were like a couple of other people that were staying in another room. Um, we made friends with them, of course, and it was just it was a really nice time. That so nice. just a lot of sightseeing or restaurant tour. Or we did. The... We literally did everything that you could possibly do. Nice. Um, How long were you there? A week. Awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah, we went to we went to a museum. We went to you know certain parks. We went to we definitely partied. You know on Bourbon Street, on Canal Street. Um, Canal Street is where it's at. I will tell everyone that. So, like, Bourbon Street is, like, party central. It's, like, the commercialized where you go to, like, hear, you know, the number one pop songs and stuff like that. But Canal Street is where, like, all the live jazz music is playing. So that's... A little bit more culture. Yeah, definitely. And that's where all the locals were saying, you don't want to go to Bourbon Street, go to Canal Street. And, um, so, yeah, we were going there, um... We definitely experienced all the food. Oh my gosh! So when I when we got home, I was very very hungry when we got home, but I I didn't want anything to eat because I just wanted to eat there. What was the best thing that you had there to eat? Man, that's tough. Um, probably gumbo. Yeah. Probably right? gumbo. That's what you have to get. Yeah, like that is you the... have to get. That was the yeah. first thing I got. Awesome. I I love the jambalaya. Um. 
I loved everything. I had like cat. I had catfish at a gas station. Like so, like everywhere that you go, there's like that sounds like a disaster. It sounds, sounds like a disaster, like a, but it's really good. Like, ER. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the catfish at this gas station was like the best catfish <laughs> that I've ever had in my life. Yeah. So um yeah, literally everywhere you go, they're like you know they sell food like that. That's and, awesome. Um, it was incredible. The beignets, of course. Oh my gosh, the beignets! Like just sugar, just like pouring down your face. That's cool. Had you ever been to New Orleans before? No, this is my first time. So what was it like? Like, how would you describe New Orleans? Because I've so, never been. So the very first, what I, so my mother and my brother, they, they sent me a group text asking, like, you know, how is it? And the very first thing that could come to mind is something that's still, like, just sticking with me. Um, I've never, I've never seen white people genuinely like love and enjoy black culture so much like there was i didn't feel race while i was there i just felt like it was filled with black culture and whoever was there was just enjoying it so like you know when you're when you're sometimes when you're like in a, in a place like baltimore or something like that it's a, there's like a difference there's Sometimes it feels like mockery. Sometimes it feels like culture vouching. Um, but there, it just felt real. Like, um, for example, Canal Street with all of the live jazz music. I mean, you walk into a club and it's like just an all-white band, like playing trumpets and, and playing the drums. And like, it sounds like Louis Armstrong. Like, they're so influenced by this black culture. But it's not like they're... It's not. It doesn't feel like appropriation. Right. It's, it's not. It's it's not appropriation. It's not. It's not culture vulture. It's not. It's it's just them legitimately just enjoying what is black culture. Um, when it really hit me is when we we randomly you know walked into this Louis Armstrong park, which I didn't even know existed. Hmm. Um, so there's this Louis Armstrong. Like literally, Louis Armstrong Park. It literally says it's like lit up and it says Armstrong. You walk in and these these huge statues. Um, hopefully on your website, I could send you the picture of me like with the Louis Armstrong statue. It was just like wow, like it's just so um, it's it's appreciated in a different manner. So you know when you, for example, there's like an African American museum in D.C., but it's an African American museum. Like you have to go into that museum to to see African-American art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The National Museum in New Orleans, like when you walk in, it's there's there's not an African-American section. It's literally, you're looking like at a statue from like the Roman period. And like right next to it, it's like a painting of like a black family, like mm-hmm. in a living room. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't you. I, I I like I pay attention to like a lot of detail when I'm when I'm at places, and I I never like felt that before. Like um, my favorite painting that I saw at the museum, th- there were no descriptions next to the paintings. Like it's not explaining what you're looking at. But this this one this one painting, I had the picture of that. I could send it to you guys too. It it looked like it was like a black family house party. And the main focus of the picture was a black woman dancing with a white man. But everyone else in the picture was just black and like just like enjoying themselves like at a party. And for some reason, it's just like this white man and this black woman dancing in the living room. And that's all it was. And it was just like, 
you you just don't experience that anywhere else and I don't know it just mm-hmm. what do you think it is about New Orleans that created that kind of culture so it and it's I'm so glad you asked that it goes all the way back to the days of slavery because mm-hmm. you know we took tours we took like vampire tours and you know tours like ghost tours and stuff like that and one of the things that like was amazing to me is when they when they when they speak about slavery it's not just about like it's not just about like they're not like you know there's a difference between like america was built on slavery like that's the racist like undertone like we needed slavery in order to be this great of a country where in new orleans when they talk about it it's like yeah guys this all exists because of slavery like like they're like thankful that like black people created all of this um, and one example um, that I'll never forget, they were talking about, uh, I forget the lady's name, but she was like very popular in American Horror Story. She was played by Kathy Bates, like in season three. Hmm. Um, I, f- I forget her name, but she she's it's a real person that lived in New Orleans and we were like in front of her house and she tortured slaves. Um, really badly like she was married to some sick doctor that would like pick slaves apart and stuff like that Mm. and uh she eventually got caught but one of the things that like that blew my mind that like made me realize exactly what you just asked is that um new orleans was one of the only places where it was against the law to kill your own slaves so i think you know stemming all the way back to that it just goes from generation to generation. Like in this specific place, you couldn't even kill your own slaves. So, you know, as so you, you think that there was even, even if it was just a, a smidge, even in, in the worst, even like, in the worst, as, appro- of value, as inappropriate as it sounds. Of, yes. Of, so for example, she, 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 uh, apparently she had like this young black female slave that was combing her hair and she combed a knot. And the lady got really mad and pushed her off a third floor balcony of her house and killed her. She got punished. Now, she didn't get punished like you you should for murdering somebody. But she did get like a slap on the wrist. As inappropriate as that sounds, that's not something that was normal back then. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, it, slavery is slavery. And there's, there's no way of, you know, looking at it in a positive light. But compared to any other place down south... There was at least a crime when you did something like that, mm-hmm. and I think that it just continued on, and you know, to the point where it's all just appreciated instead of instead of viewed in a in a in a like racist manner, in an entitlement sense. It's not it's not like we you know, of course we needed slaves. It's it's no, we love black people. I I, I really felt that. Um, you know, you, you see, sometimes you see, you go to a club or something, you see like a white person dance into like hip hop music and it's, it's like funny. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I, there wasn't any time where I was like laughing at like white people dancing to black people music. Mm-hmm. It was all just natural. See, but where's like, there's that conversation around cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation mm-hmm. and I, it's really hard to know when something moves from appreciation it is. to appropriation. It is. What's the, like, for for somebody, so as I understand it, appropriation is when a dominant uh, 
race or dominant people group take aspects of a minority group and benefit from it or profit from it or mm-hmm. play with that aspect of their culture when uh, really that's an identity piece for that mm-hmm. other culture. And the dominant culture has the privilege to just play with it if they want, but never, but they don't have to take on the full feeling of that culture, right? right? That's appropriation and it's it's belittling, it's demeaning, it devalues people, mm-hmm. right? But in a in our culture right now, minority cultures are having a pretty big influence on culture across the United States. And they, yeah, and they always have. Yeah. Right? And so it's really hard for somebody like me who's in the dominant uh, uh, people group to, to then know when does it move from I'm appreciating it to I'm appropriating it. So mm-hmm. like when... What are like some some key things I could look out for? People like me could look out for because honestly, it, it's moved from cultural appreciation and appropriation to like cultural apprehension. Like I'm just sometimes just fearful of saying sure. the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or dancing to the wrong music or mm-hmm. or wearing the wrong like costume or like saying the wrong thing. You can just walk on eggshells. So right. how do how do we even start drawing those lines then? I think I think the I think the difference is, and it, and it may be nearly impossible to tell, but I think mm-hmm. that I think where it becomes appropriation is when um, someone makes a conscious decision to to wear or do or say anything um, in with intent to further themselves along in a way to say, I'm going to do this style of music because this style of music is hot right now. Instead of that being just a manifestation, like... I, what you were saying about about white people down in New Orleans, I think that that feeling comes from them being a part of the fabric of the culture. Yes, innately, because, they're born because into of it the, because of history. Um, so I think when you when it's the opposite of that, when it's when it's someone that says, you know, oh yeah, uh, Dis- uh, Moana, Moana was the hottest Disney movie in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think Polynesian culture is really hitting right now. Mm-hmm. So let me take some let me take some island drums and some, you know, some of those influences to to make a hit record. That's when it becomes appropriation instead of you just being a white person that's from one of the islands in Polynesia or Hawaii uh-huh. and like you're part of that culture. Yeah. Um so like one of the one of the examples is like if you take um, a white rapper like Eminem and, I, you know, I don't know Eminem, you know, I know a bit of his story because he's famous. Because I watch Iman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you take you take him for example, for an example as somebody that, you know, grew up in a rough area of Detroit and used rap as a as an artistic expression of of, of what he's going through to, to cope or whatever, whatever people use the arts for. And he found unfathomable, unfathomable success. And some and some still will say just by virtue of him being white, he's appropriating the culture because rap is an art form that was birthed mm-hmm. in the inner cities by black people. Um, so, so while, while I won't discount that idea, um, I still think for him specifically, um, if, 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 if there's any authenticity for someone that is not of color to, to do that, that would like probably be the best because mm-hmm. it's at least an authentic story of 
of where he came from and how he grew up. Um, but, you know, I mean, even counting back to like the doo-wop era and, and, and the birth of rock and roll, uh, you know, you can, you can not argue, you can say that jazz music or, or black music was the birth of rock and roll, right. you know what I'm saying? Like things like that. And, you know, like white artists stealing records from, from soul singers and then, you know, having a hit on their hands and then, you know, certain, certain records being swiped from, from radio stations and things like that. So there's, there's all sorts of stories like that, countless that people will never know of. And I think that's appropriation in its highest level of, you know, so like the the profit side of it, right? Using something for profit. Mm -hmm. But he also said like trendy, like we should be really wary of hopping on to yeah. cultural. So even even down to even down to the shoes you wear. If you right, like, that's yeah. my but that's my point. What do you so mean like the shoes you wear. Even down to the shoes <laughs> you wear. <laughs> Come on, what do you mean the shoes you wear? But no, so so to my point, and, and the Eminem thing is a, is a great is a great comparison because Eminem does seem real and natural when he's when he's rapping. And that's the feeling I was getting while I was in New Orleans when I'm I'm watching white people dance or white people play jazz music. It's it's it seemed natural as opposed to this is the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Where you know, generally speaking, you have you have like a there's 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 a certain sometimes you see like white people like rapping like a Gucci Man song or something like that. Like something that I wouldn't even listen to. But they just think that it's cool. Where jazz music is just awesome. And just playing trumpets and playing yeah. drums. It's it's so great to be around. Walking down Canal Street, there were times where I would just like close my eyes and like tilt my head back and be like, I can't believe that I'm hearing that mm. I can walk into any bar and there's just jazz music playing and everyone's just having a great time. Mm-hmm. A genuine great time. Where opposed to you walk into like some predominantly black club and there's this one white old guy there dancing and everyone's like, hey, look at the white guy dancing. That's not what it was like. It was just that everyone was just enjoying themselves to what obviously is black culture. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would hope and it, it sounds like it's important to know the backstory for the person. Right. So a white person could rap, a white person could play or dance to jazz music, like a white person could uh, be in those circumstances, but it matters what their backstory is. And I guess from my standpoint, I would hope that people of color or people in a minority group wouldn't jump to a conclusion of my backstory mm-hmm. and assume that I'm appropriating right. when I might. There's a chance I might be appreciated. True, and, and that's, so and that's and that's that's a little bit on both sides, right? right? Because it's, it's the because for me, sides. something that brought meaning through struggle. I don't want that to be like an accessory in comfort, right? Something that would have been avoided because it was perceived as a stigma at one point. I don't want it to like buy it and sell it as a trend. That's not the point at all. And navigating those waters is really important to me. Because there's so much appreciation. And what I would what I what I want is partners with me as I am trying to figure out how do I appreciate as best as I can. 
Mm-hmm. And how do I put value within the culture, the expression, and what what was birthed out of the struggle of a minority group? And and take that more than just something to play with. Right. For my own benefit or my right. own profit or my own comfort. Yeah. That's that, yeah, that's a um that's something that's like uh it's a thin line. There's a such a <laughs> Thin and sometimes indistingu- indistinguishable line because, but that's because my point. to further the conversation, there is there's this idea, and I won't I won't argue against it or argue for it. But many people believe that no matter what the hist- what your personal history is, it's appropriation. Mm-hmm. Not, and it's not solely based on you and your experience and your history. Some of that, almost probably half, the, the other half of it, the other entire half of it is how you were received, um, how the world around you receives you then. Because the idea where you take, um, just example, thinking off the top of my head, you think you take a singer like Usher and you take a singer like Justin Timberlake, right? Both have had unbelievable amount of success, um, you know, or you take, you know, um, right. Maybe here's a better example. You take Justin Bieber and then you take R&B singer Mario, right from Baltimore. Mario, Mario, however you say it. Um, how is Justin Bieber any more talented than Mario? He's not. Right. And I'm not, I'm not saying Mario is more talented than Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that How's one is not, he's not, here, one, he's not better. The one is not, it's arguments at, the, at that point. It's all mm-hmm. discretionary. But you can say that just by virtue of, of Justin Bieber being white, he will get a level of, it, of exposure that a black artist will have to work five times as hard to receive, if at all. Mm-hmm. And so therein lies the reality that by virtue of, of someone getting more recognition because of what they look like already makes it unfair in a sense where they are receiving an, an advantage or an edge and have this opportunity at a higher rate to succeed than a black artist. Mm-hmm. And so there are many people that believe by that, by that idea alone, it's appropriation. So like, so like, so like, don't even touch it. It's not yours. Mm-hmm. To, it's not yours to touch. Are there things that even, even now, like you would say that's ours. You don't. You don't get that. Personally, um, here's my here's my here's my personal stance on it. Personally, no, I do not feel like there are things that are off limits, off the table. Uh-huh. However, personally. When I listen to an Eminem album, I have to turn on Nas afterward. Mm-hmm. After I listen to um, Justin Timberlake, I have to turn on Usher. Please don't, whoever's listening, please don't crucify me or call me names. No. I'm personally speaking, this is my preference. Whenever I listen to a genius white artist that that is making a genre of music that was birthed from the black struggle. Mm-hmm. It's not even a, it's not even a conscious decision. I don't even do it consciously. Something within me goes, I need to, Oh, I'm in the, that was good. 
unbelievable. Eminem's one of my favorite rappers of all time. I go, that was unbelievable. And then something, something uh, hardwired in me, you know, it, the, the hardwiring in, in me doesn't say, I listened to him, now let me listen to this. It goes, I want this for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. it's, is it like, I, I don't know how to describe is it. it. If I could to ask, is it a more pure form of the expression or is it giving credit where credit is due? I don't even I don't even know I don't even know if I have the answer for it. Okay. All I can tell you is when I listen to Justin Timberlake, I have to listen I have to listen to Usher, I have to turn Michael on. Mm -hmm. And and that 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 could perhaps I'll even go so far as to say that perhaps that's not even cultural. Perhaps that's me having an inclination and a and a, a longing for when I'm partial to. You know, like Michael Jackson's my favorite. If Michael Jackson was white, after I would listen to a Justin Timberlake, I could still naturally be inclined to listen to Michael. So it could be just mm-hmm. preference. Sure. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I haven't like, I haven't delved into this and figured it all out. But that, that's all I can say about that is just like, personally, I don't feel like any art form or artistic expression is off limits because that that's foolish to even present, I feel, because... Yeah, based on personal history, I guess everybody has the entitlement to express themselves however they feel. Um, for me personally, I have all I can say is I have my favorites, and mm-hmm. they'll always come to to my heart. After hearing a certain artist, I want to hear something else. Yep. What do you think, Chuki? Is there anything <laughs> that's off limits? Um, as far as like expression of art no and and that's my point so like something as 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 black as jazz music that originated from the king which is Louis Armstrong I was legitimately enjoying myself listening to an all-white band um it I I just think that there is an extremely thin line that's very hard to describe but for some reason there, it just felt different. Um, they were just doing it correctly. Um, to Dante's point, someone like Eminem or Justin Timberlake, they're so great. They're my favorite artists. I love Eminem. I love Justin I live. I listen to NSYNC every single day of my life. Anybody, <laughs> anybody that knows me, I, I'm always listening to NSYNC. This just turned into a confession booth. <laughs> I, I, I love NSYNC. But to Dante's point, it, there's something missing. Like there, Eminem is so good, but then when you when you listen to Nas, I, I've I've texted Dante about this before. Like I there there's been times where I've listened to Eminem for months, and I I I just wouldn't listen to anybody else. I'm just playing Eminem. Yeah, me too. For like three months straight, and then all of a sudden I hear like a random Nas song, and it's just different. It's like Eminem is so good, but he's not this. Mm-hmm. But when I was down there listening to you know the music that they were playing and stuff i just i just felt engulfed in black culture no matter what or where it was coming from yeah there could be a black lady singing there could be a white lady singing there could be a black band there could be a white band i just wasn't even thinking like race it was just all i just the only the only race that i was thinking about is that this is black culture Mm -hmm. but it's not nothing's being mocked nothing's being appropriated nobody's candoring 
everyone's just enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just legitimately just partying to what I perceive to be black culture. Yeah. And it's I think it's obvious down there that it is black culture. And that's why I bring up the tours and everybody that we would meet, they would bring up the fact that this is all based off of black culture, just to let you guys know. You know what I mean? Like they, the white people would say, you know, this is how this is how this crazy lady got caught. There was this black woman who was chained to a stove. Mm-hmm. She set the house on fire, and everybody said, "All right, what's going on in this house?" Mm-hmm. It all like stems back to something to do with blackness, mm-hmm. and the city is so fun and it's so great and it's so. Like I said, you tilt your head back and close your eyes, and it's it's all based off of black culture. The food, the gumbo, any any place any place where you go to eat, it's it's black employees, which isn't a bad thing. It's not it's not like this is like black workers. Like they, they 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 like they have jobs. Like all of the Uber drivers were black. Like it was all just like wow. Like especially after Katrina to see this this. Uh, just this whole entire economy still be standing where it's so black. But they actually survived that craziness that happened during Katrina. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is there is, and correct me if I'm wrong, a value that is given or uh, that is uh, revealed or uh, that, that people value a culture that typically widespread is not valid. Like there's a right. value of it. So a job or a person in a job yes. that would be seen as not valuable, they could be having the same job, but for yes. some reason there's more value. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or That's somebody right. else playing uh, a certain type of music that as you might think is cheapened somewhere else. Right. There's deep rich I feel value. Like, I feel there. like... So value seems like that's, I that's feel something like, I'm hearing from you. I feel like the majority of the country and, and, and majority of my experiences, black culture is like obvious, but it's it's like an it's like hidden. It's like all of the music that we listen to, all of the very popular artists that's out there right now, whether they're white or black, it's all influenced by by black people. And it's that's not something that's that's like that's not something that's obvious, but it is obvious there for some reason in New Orleans, you can tell that everything is influenced by black culture hmm. it It almost felt like white people were the minority, hmm. and I've never felt that way before hmm. and and it's not because most of the people that I saw were black, it was because most of the experience that I had down there were were what I would perceive to be black experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, the food that I was eating, the, the people that I were talking to, the conversations that I were having, even with white people, it all just seemed like, like black people were just so appreciated. Sounds like a good reason for me to take a trip to New Orleans, huh? Yes. I was going to say, Dave, I like, no eggshells, man. No yeah. eggshells with you, man, because you're, you're one of the most authentic yes. people I know. So yes. I think, I think just I want you to I was what's crazy is I know for a fact that as soon as you go there you would know what I mean. All right. You know what I mean? Like for example, uh, DC. 
the the national park or whatever where you have the Abraham Lincoln statue and all of that. There was there was this one time I went with a close friend of mine, and it was like a Saturday afternoon, very very busy, so many people out there, and everyone was just like you know surrounding you know what you normally would surround you know you know Lincoln and all of those other statues that's there, and then we we decided to go visit the Martin Luther King statue. We go over to the Martin Luther King statue, and no one was there. It was just us. But when you cross the street, it was like at least like hundreds of people. So that's what I'm used to. I'm used to saying, you know, they don't want to see the Martin Luther King statue. They just they just want to see all of this boring stuff over here. Or if you if you want to see African American art, you have to go to this specific museum. Mm. Where there, it was just it's just all around you no matter what whether it's you can be on a, a zombie tour and you're being taught about the history of slavery hmm. where you know i thought i was just about to hear about zombies right. but there's this white guy it's dressed as a vampire <laughs> yeah no there's this white guy dressed as a vampire telling us how important slavery was to this city and not in a we needed slavery kind of way it's like a guess what guys this wouldn't be here if it wasn't for black people. Like, I experienced that every single day that I was down there. That's awesome. That sounds like a really, really cool experience, meaningful experience, and something that hopefully, you know, more and more minority cultures can experience moments like that and uh, places like that and be given platforms and restored value for the contributions that they have made and the way they have influenced uh, culture here in the United States. Yeah. So, so much so that that was my that, so much so that was my first message to my family when they asked me what's going on down there. I said I've never experienced white people genuinely enjoy black culture the way that I'm experiencing this right now. That was that was. That was the first thing that I said. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah. another one for the books. Let's eh? that's, that's all go to New Orleans. <laughs> Booking my flight. How much was your plane ticket? Oh, man. It was like, it's like $150. We should go. Yeah. We should go. All right. Maybe Come add on. that to the jazz resolution fest, list. Jazz, the jazz festival the at the end of April. And New Orleans. <laughs> I got, seriously, I got, for Christmas, I got a Southwest Airlines Ooh. gift card. Ooh. Oh, really? How cool is that? What a good present. That's that like, amazing. here is an adventure. Like, go, go, go live it. Man. All right. Yeah. Well, hit up the website, guys, for the pictures that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And uh, we'll catch you at the next episode. See you later.